Third and four for the Eagles here. Murphy in shotgun. Here's the snap. He rolls left. He throws. That ball is hit hard into left field. Going back, and that is gone. A home run for Joe Cronin. That puts his block. BC special teams make huge play. The ball is recovered and brought into the end zone. Touchdown. Top scores. Eagles win. And this is WZBC Sports. Welcome to the WZBC Sports Podcast, episode 13. Talking a lot about BC basketball, previewing tomorrow night's game against the Pittsburgh Panthers. We'll talk a little bit about BC football at the end of the show. Um, it's been mostly BC basketball as we look to a game that is winnable for the Eagles. It is a winnable game, uh, one that I think a lot of people probably penciled in before the season as a game at home we could win, but now as the season is shaped up and Pitt only has one win in the ACC, it certainly looks like uh, the opportunity for the Eagles to get their third conference win of the season, especially considering how much better BC has been at home than they've been on the road. So uh, definitely an important game. Um, It will be a disappointing one if they don't win. So nice to come in at least with higher expectations for this one. If we look at Pitt, they are struggling. I mean, there's no doubt about that. They're uh, only one win in the conference, you know, last place in conference. But if you look at their record, and I talked a little bit about this uh, on the last podcast, they're not they're not a terrible team. I mean, it's it's you know first year head coach Jamie Dixon went off to TCU. He did a great job at Pitt, so they're feeling that out a little bit with what they're trying to do. And the ACC is just a brutal conference, and so so you can never guarantee. Any game, any win, no matter who you are. Um, but certainly, if things aren't going your way, you can't just bank on, oh, I'm going to get a win eventually. It doesn't happen like that in the ACC. I mean, we saw it last year. BC did not win a game in the ACC because you can't go in with the mindset of, oh, a win will come at some point just based on the odds. If you're not playing up to the talent, that win won't come. Um, but Pitt's one win came against Virginia, 88-76, early in conference play. Virginia's a fantastic team. Virginia took down Louisville last night uh, in pretty convincing fashion. We saw Louisville this past weekend, you know, really got to get all over BC. Louisville's a very, very good team, and Virginia's a great team. Um, So Pitt got them by 12. I mean, very few teams uh, have beat them at all this year. Um, But in that kind of fashion was surprising. So that's going back to early in the conference. They've lost a lot of games since then. But people might not know, they have two guys on the team averaging more than 20 points a game. I mean, that that's huge. I mean, people are making a big deal about Jerome Robinson averaging 19.4 a game and Kai Bowman averaging 13.8. They have two guys averaging more than 20. Jamel Artis, he is averaging 20.7 a game, he's a 6'7 forward, and then Michael Young is averaging 20.4. He's a 6'9 forward as uh, forward as well, <clears throat> Young being a bit taller than Artis. But, I mean, two guys averaging 20 a game. They also won at Maryland this year. They beat Penn State at home. So as I said before, this is not, this is not a pitching that we can overlook. It's a game that I think BC has all the possibility and capability of winning, but it's not a game you can overlook. Pitt's a good team. So, you know, we know that. Um, we know we're coming. We have two dynamic scorers 
Um, one of them will be guarded, probably artists will be guarded by Turner. Um, and then you're going to need a good game from Jeffers and Tavy, whoever takes Michael Young, um, because you're going to get 40 points out of, out of those two guys. So, you know, that alone is, is, a, is a daunting thought. But I, I do believe that at some point we're going to see BC come back through again and play like they did against Syracuse or play like they did against North Carolina State and, and get a win. And I think this is the game that it can happen in. Um, but, you know, that's, that's tomorrow. And um, Pitt will, you know, will come in here thinking this is possibly a, a game for them to get back on track. This is one they're going to want really bad. So it should be a good game. It should be a really good game. Um, and uh, come back to WCBC Sports certainly after the game and during the game for, for live coverage and um, some post-game analysis. I want to look back, though, at the Louisville game this past weekend. BC loses that one um, pretty big to Louisville. It, it, was, it was not super close. Um, they, won, they, lo- they lost 90-67, to but there, there are some takeaways that I, that I want to talk about. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to break down with what we saw from Urban's Mesniaks, who got 11 minutes in the game, Mike Seguet and John Carlos Reyes. So they all played in the game against Louisville. Um, Mesniaks really the only one playing meaningful minutes in the game, but they all played. I, w- I want to break down what we saw from them a little bit more, a little bit more in depth, and then I'm going to say why all of it doesn't matter. All of that, all of what I am go- about to say doesn't matter for right now. So hear me out. Listen to you know kind of the analysis on them because it's important. And these guys are part of the team, are part of the future, um, and breaking them down and seeing what we have from them is important. But I want to talk about how, uh, for this season at least, their contributions one way or the other don't matter, and, and I'll explain that. So so hang with me, uh, if you will. We're starting with Evans Mesniaks. He really got his first meaningful minutes of the whole season uh, against a, a Louisville team. Um, that's that's very good, very big, very tall. So he was the four being forced to guard um, guys that were definitely taller than him, longer than him, um, and, and certainly at this point, you know, better players than, than he is. But Chris, Jim Christian, the coach uh, for BC, said after the game that uh, they guess they just weren't getting enough production at the four besides Connor Tavy. Um, but I will say the coach Christian did not sound. Uh, too, you know, too big on Mesniaks after the game. He he wasn't too excited about. I guess what he saw, his you know, someone asked him why did we see Mesniaks play, and he just kind of said we weren't getting enough production besides Tavy. Uh, he got some minutes, so he didn't really elaborate on that. Certainly, I guess was not in a good mood after losing by 23 in conference. But what did we see from him? We saw 11 minutes, five points, two rebounds, and three of his five points was from a corner three pointer. He is a player who played a, a lot last year and played in very serious, meaningful minutes uh, against really good teams. Started some games, um, played at the end of the game against North Carolina when BC was, uh, you know, had a chance to win that game, actually uh, threw away uh, kind of the deciding turnover of, of that game. Um, but, you know, with BC a lot uh, less deep with talent last year, he was a contributing player as a freshman. He has a good shot. He is bulky enough, I think, to guard some fours. Not tall enough to probably guard all of them. But he's a guy that I think will be part of the future rotation. You, you, you see Connor Tavey playing over him because Connor Tavey just is such a more experienced player, a more mature player, great at ball movement, very good passer, 
doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And I think Irvin's message probably is, is going to make some mistakes out there. That, you know, that that's going to happen. But he looked okay. You know, he looked like he was excited to be in there. Wasn't too scared of the moment. I would say, like he said, he's got a good shot. Hit his first shot, which is a three pointer. Um, drew a charge at one point and got two rebounds. So that's good that I think we might be able to turn to him if we need some offense that Connor Tavy's not going to give us or just to kind of get him ready you know, for the coming years. Mike Segay, six points in only three minutes. Uh, he had a banked-in three, uh, which, you know, take it for what it is. This was kind of, you know, in garbage time in the game. But I said this before, Mike Segay is a very athletic player. Uh, and we saw that on his other three points. It was a very athletic and assertive drive, which which he got the got the basket and won uh, and made the free throw. He is very, very athletic. I mean, I'm telling you, get to a BC game early and watch his pregame dunks. I mean, he's getting up at like the top of the backboard. He's like Garland Owens out there, but he, I mean, he even looks more fluid. He's taller than Owens. Um, he's probably two inches tall, taller than Owens. He is just supremely athletic. I mean, more athletic than Robinson and Turner, probably. Probably not as athletic as Bowman. I mean, he's just a freak. But athletically, I mean, he, Bowman's a, a new a new level. But Mike Segay is, is right up there. And he has an offensive game. He does. That Garland Owens does not have. And that will come as he becomes more confident. And I've said this before. You've heard this on podcast before. But I saw it. You saw it in this game. I mean, he's coming down the court. He brought the ball down the court took it between the legs, drove it inside, got fouled, made the basket, made the foul shot. I mean, that was a very athletic move, a, a long move, good strides. I really have great hopes for him. I mean, I think he's a uh, he's a piece of this team going forward that he will be a significant contributor. And if we don't get contributions out of him, the team will be lacking. I, I don't think he's you know just a bench player kind of going forward. I, I think he's a starter maybe next year. Um, that depends on where Turner fits in. And who do they get at the four and five and stuff like that? Can Turner start at the four? Do you want to start at the four? All that kind of stuff. Um, but Mike Segay is is a player. And we saw it in only three minutes against Louisville. I hope to see more of it. I, I want to see more of it at times. He can play. And I'm bringing him, only, I'm only bringing him up only because I really do think he's part of the future of this team. A good recruit. He's not Kai Bowman out there. He's not Nick Popovich. But he's a good player. And I have big hopes for him. And I think you should too. So watch out for him. Look out for when he gets in the game. See if he gets any more meaningful minutes because that's going to mean something. That, show that, that shows that he's doing something good in practice. That, that's, that's good. Showing, you know, he's competing well in practice. That he's warranting time in very, very important competitive conference games. So, so that's Mesnix and Segay. Reyes, uh, he had no stats. Uh, he was in for seven minutes but had no stats. I can't say much about him. Um, it's. I think we spoke a little bit about this after the Wake Forest game, kind of about his spot on the team. Uh, there is a center coming over or a power forward coming over from Europe who, who will be a freshman next year. I'm not really sure what Reyes' role is on this team in the coming years, but nonetheless, uh, he, he is a, you know maybe the one true center on the team, and uh, he will... He will be here. He's not going anywhere. Uh, so, you know, I mean, Edie Jalo left last year, transferred, and I kind of thought that that would be John Carlos's Reyes to have Reyes's role to have, and he has not taken it up. So, we'll kind of see if we kind of see more about him. He's not gotten any meaningful minutes in a while. 
So they're they're the they're the three guys that kind of come after the three bench players, which which. Well, for the last game, it was Turner coming off the bench, but it's most of the season it's been Chapman, Garland Owens, and uh, Nick Popovich. They, they've been the bench players. These three guys are the next three, and I think we have stuff to build around with Mike Segay and Irvin Smesniak's. And I'm going to tell you now why none of that matters. None of, none of that matters for this season. It will for next season. It will for the season after that when I think this team's going to be great, but it doesn't matter right now. Because here's what I saw against Louisville. Here's what I saw on Saturday. Kai Bowman had 18 points, played a pretty decent game. Jerome Robinson, 13 points, not as good of a game, but played better than the stat sheet will tell you. If BC wants to win games this season in the ACC, it simply comes through those two. And, and that, that might sound like, oh, of course, of course it comes through. They're, they're your two best players. They've been the headlines. But no, I'm, I'm serious that the big-time talent wins games in college basketball, and you need more of it. This team has some nice role players. I think Armand Mesniaks will be a nice role player going forward. I have even higher hopes for Mike Segay. But... BC needs more of Kai Bowman and more of Jerome Robinson. They need another player like that. I mean, AJ Turner, I think, could can be that, or at least I thought he could be that. He's very timid on offense sometimes. I think if he gets, if you get a great game out of him with a great game paired from Robinson and Bowman, BC should win that game. If you have all three of those playing players playing great, they should win. But we haven't seen all three on their game at the same time, and Turner's certainly, you know, the, the third wheel there but we need more star power that's the that's the bottom line louisville has plenty of really talented players really talented players you're not going to find 10 nba players on a college team even the best college team okay i'm not talking about we need to start you know recruiting you know 10 guys that are headed to the nba draft that's not going to happen that happens on no team but they need more they need more talent and it doesn't only come in points. It's not only about points, but it's about having really, really good players out there. Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman are really good players. Jerome Robinson especially. Kai Bowman has certainly surpassed expectations and has shown us a lot to be excited about for the future. We need another player like that. We need another player who who is exceptional in the college ranks, who is a difference maker. I mean, Wake Forest, they have that in John Collins. He is a difference maker. Louisville has several of those players. Virginia has London Prentice and Isaiah Wilkins. They're difference makers out there, and they have some other really good players as well, and they just have a great system at Virginia. But, I, I mean, Isaiah, let's take Isaiah Wilkins, who's a 6'7 forward on Virginia. He had a great game against BC, really dynamic, athletic player, great passer, can shoot the ball, good underneath, long, all that stuff. BC needs a guy like him. BC needs like a really strong, assertive four, who power forward who can score the ball, who can bring it up the floor. That's not AJ Turner. AJ Turner is a three. He plays great defense, passes the ball well, not a liability out there. That's not what he is, though. At least that's not what he's shown himself to be. So BC needs another really great player, and I think that player can come. I mean, this has been a step in the right direction this season. We only know of one recruit right now. There could, I mean, there's, certainly there will be more coming. They, they will have more in their recruiting class, but the, I mean, that's that's what this team needs. They want to win games this year. It comes down to the guys that are their stars, the guys that, that, have, that have legitimate amounts of talent. I mean, you, this translates to the NBA in the same way, and it's, it's a different game, the NBA. The NBA is a star-driven game, but the great teams have stars. They are more talented than others. And again, this might sound obvious, but I want to break it down into the fact that it's great to see things from Urban's Mesniaks, and it's great to see 
you know, Mike Segay playing well out there, and it's, you know, awesome when AJ Turner has another, you know, zero turnover game. But for this season, it doesn't matter. And for the long run for BC and what in a, about them fulfilling their potential as a team, it almost doesn't matter. Role players matter. I could cite many examples around college basketball about where your best player is is you know not going to get you 20 points a night, obviously, but it's going to make a difference in games. These guys do make differences in games, but if they want to win games at this level, you need more talent, more star power, and more production out of your star players. And they BC needs another player. It's not going to happen this year. I mean, obviously, you get new players with each new recruiting cycle. But that's what BC needs. They need more of Kai Bowman, more of Jordan Robinson. They need another player like that. I'd prefer I'd prefer it to be a, a power forward, a really strong power forward that can kind of match up with a lot of the depth that we see in the ACC. But that's what it comes down to. Th- that is that's the bottom line here with with these guys. They're they're good steps. I love what I see from Jordan Robinson and Kai Bowman. But we need more of that kind of player, and we need more production out of. I mean, if BC wants to win. Tomorrow night against Pitt, or any of the games for the rest of the season, Kai Bowman and Jeremy Robinson are going to have to have great games. I don't think anyone could convince me, or I could convince you, that BC is going to win another ACC game this year if we get a bad night out of Robinson and a good night out of Bowman, or vice versa. You need a good night out of both. A really good night. Probably 20 points from each, and that's totally doable. We've seen it happen multiple times this year that can happen i mean we saw it when it's when it was on full display against syracuse in the acc opener they won by 15 they look like a phenomenal team but you're not getting that every night a because team's game plan for robinson also bowman's a freshman and streaky at times and he has to work on his shot a little bit but i think it's a great shot and i think he'll continue to get better at it but he still has to work on that a little bit so it's not it hasn't come every game but when it does, we see what it can be. The, the problem the problem with BC is, compared to the rest of these teams, is the rest of these teams have more more players that they can go into the, go into the bench um, and bring a more full game, and they have probably more star power. Um, you know, Duke does, UNC certainly does, Virginia does. Um, I mean, you know, there's Shayok and uh, Kyle Guy. There's a couple of players on that team that can really light it up. But BC only has two of them. They're only working with two, and I think this this also leads us into this point about we need more out of out of Turner um, because, like I said, a night when when all three of them are are on their games, I think they're they're a top 100 to a top 125 team in the country on any given night when those three players are at their best. That's that's kind of my hot take for for this podcast when Turner, Robinson, and Bowman are at their best. On, on a given night in a game, I think they're a top 100 to a top 125 team in the country this year. But the thing is, we don't get that every night. And I'm not even sure if I can tell you what Tur- A.J. Turner's best game is. You know, I mean, he's been a very valuable player, an important player, a guy that will always be part of this rotation, and I'm very glad we have him. But I don't know if we've seen the maximum out of him yet. I hope we haven't seen a max out of him yet because he's a very talented player. Um, and if he can really turn it up and really maximize his talent, uh, then maybe he's your third go-to. But you still need more, and I still think they need a, they need another player, another scorer. And you know th- that's what they don't have this year. So BC wants to win tomorrow night. You need a great game out of Bowman and Robinson from the start, from the start of the game, a great game. And if they want to win any other games this year, it's going to be a great game uh, from those two players. Out of both of them. And good, solid performances from the other guys that are getting into the game. Whether that's 
Garland Owens getting in to play some defense or not, more minutes from Nick Popovich or not, that depends on the team, the matchup, and how the game's going. So, you know, kind of to, to bring it all together, great to see Mike Segay with an athletic move out there. Great to see Irvin's Mesniak's making contributions on this team. I'm, I'm excited uh, to see him. I think he will be uh, a role player in the future. But in the, in the, in for this season, and I think in the long run of this team maximizes success, it comes out of the star power. BC doesn't have enough of it yet, but the day they get it or the day they learn how to maximize it, I think they'd be, they could be a very dangerous team. Um, so that, that is my, um, that's my hot take for, for this podcast. I also want to turn to this idea that if you ask me, maybe the ACC season for BC hasn't really even started. Now, clearly, they're 2-9 and nine in conference. They've played 11 games. The ACC conference play is, you know, in reality be- began. But if you look at it from another angle about the games that BC sh- could or should be winning— Maybe it hasn't started, or at least completely. This is still a loaded conference, and that has only become more apparent. Let's take Notre Dame, for example. They started out 5-0 and in conference. Now they have five losses. They're 1-5 in those conference teams. And Notre Dame's a really good team, but you can take nothing for granted in this conference. Nothing at all. Before you know it, you could lose nine straight. Pitt has almost done that. Pitt's lost like seven or eight straight. I think Virginia might have been their second conference game, and they won that one. But they could, they may not win another game again. That's not to say that Pitt's a bad team. It's that if you don't bring it every night, this conference is going to get you on it. It's They're going to get you. So this conference is, is still really good. Another, another example on the other end, Syracuse in the last week has a pair of top 10 wins. They, they opened conference play losing to BC. People thought their season was over. Now they're on the border of the top 25, and they're looking like an 8 or 9 seed in the tournament. So they're a team to turn it on right away. They're, I think, 6-5 and five in conference right now, and they look like re- a really solid team. They have Clemson on tonight. That was a close game in half at Clemson. But even if you lose that game, Syracuse is a good team. Right now, they're in the tournament. So this is a, this is a really great conference. One projection uh, on ESPN has 12 of the 15 teams in the tournament. Okay? So, so three of them are not in the tournament, according to this projection. That, that would be BC, North Carolina State, and Pitt. I think, in the end, only 10 will make it. I think Clemson and Georgia Tech miss out as well. Okay? So now we, let's take those five. This, this is kind of my point about how the conference schedule maybe hasn't started yet for BC. So we have BC, NC State, Pitt, Clemson, Georgia Tech. Okay? BC has played NC State and beat them. BC has not played Pitt, Clemson, or Georgia Tech yet. All three of those games are upcoming. Pitt is our is the game tomorrow night. Georgia Tech is the game after that uh, on this Saturday at Georgia Tech, and then Clemson is the final ACC game of the regular season. Okay, so these are the these are the four teams besides BC that I don't think will be in the in the, the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, Pitt certainly won't be, and NC State won't be either. Georgia Tech and Clemson have a chance. I don't think they'll get in. So let's break it down and see the teams that aren't in the tournament are teams that BC should be able to beat. They should be able to hang with that bottom tier of teams. They, they absolutely should be. So what does that mean? That means that the conference schedule, I think, for them is really, really starting to gear up. Because, I mean, you look at Georgia Tech, for example. We'll start with them. Why do I, th- I mean, besides their record, why do I put them in this bottom five? They uh, lost to Wake Forest, 81-69 this season. They lost to Clemson, 74-62. 
and they lost to uh, Florida State, uh, 78-56. They also lost to Duke, 110-57. All of those are not good losses or blowout losses, okay? Duke's not getting blown out. North Carolina's not getting blown out. The teams at the bottom of this conference are getting blown out. Another example, Clemson. They had a 109-61 loss to Florida State and a 92-60 loss to Louisville. Let's go to Pitt. Pitt, a 106 to 51 loss to Louisville, a 72 to 46 loss to Miami, and a 67-60 loss to Clemson. BC's biggest losses, 90 to 67 uh, to Louisville, 76-53 to Syracuse, 71-54 to Virginia. My point in bringing up all of these big losses or bad losses for these four teams, one of them being BC, the other three being the teams that BC has not played yet, are that the teams at the bottom of the ACC have had some bad games, have had some blowouts. But if you look at those bad losses or those blowouts, BC's right on par with those teams. BC might even have less bad losses than if you look at Pitt or Georgia Tech. You know, I mean, Georgia Tech gave 110 points to Florida State. Or to Duke, excuse me. They lost by 22 to Florida State. You know, Pitt lost by 55 to Louisville. 55. I mean, that, that's, that's huge. So, BC is hanging with these teams when you look at it like that. Because the best teams in this conference aren't getting blown out like that. And it's going to happen. That's, that's in any conference. Any conference, the, the good teams are going to have big games against some of the lower-tier teams. But if you look at it by that logic, BC's hanging with these teams right there. BC has not lost anyone by 50 this year, but Georgia Tech and Pitt have. So I, my point is that BC is, if you look at it from the schedule angle, is right in the ballpark of these teams. They are. They, they've all had bad games. They've all had good games. BC's got more conference wins than Pitt. They have one more conference to win than Pitt. So these games are winnable. BC is right in this category with these teams based on how they've compared to other teams in the conference. But the status for BC is still up in the air. It's been a good season. They have two decent wins in conference, but they're still 2-9. and 2-9 is not the goal. 2-9 is not what you want to do out there. They're still kind of... A, at least in the media, at least in public perception, at the seller of the ACC. You need to make it your mission over these last couple of conference games to erase that. And I think those wins can come against Clemson, Georgia Tech, or Pitt. I said on last podcast, I want five conference wins. I want three more wins this season in conference. But BC's got to prove to the people out there that they can do it. That they're in this bottom tier category with these teams, and they can beat them. On any given night, they can beat them. They have their two best players going. They can win that game. I'll give you an example about how BC is still kind of, in the public perception, not too high. On this write-up that talked about 12 of 15 teams from the ACC possibly going to the tournament, the writer from ESPN profiled Georgia Tech. Here's what he says. Kudos to Josh Pastner in his first year in Atlanta, where the Yellow Jackets, despite looking like the league's obvious non-Boston College whipping boy, have beaten UNC, Clemson, Florida State, Notre Dame all at home, and VCU on the road. Now, that comment about Georgia Tech is not relevant, but they referenced BC as the conference whipping boy. Okay, I mean, that's, you know, media talk, you know, guys saying, you know, creative things uh, for their articles. Not a huge deal, but that's still the perception on this basketball team out there. They need to change it. They need to do all they can to change that perception and to say, 
look, we're not there yet, but we can hang with these teams who you're saying should maybe be even be in the tournament, and we can even beat them. So that's what I want to see out of BC. I think the conference schedule, in a way, has not even started yet, and they should be ready to go tomorrow night. I want to see a win tomorrow night, and I want to see two more wins, and I think it's possible. And I think if we look at the Georgia Tech and Clemson games, based on some really big losses that we've seen from Georgia Tech, Clemson, and Pitt, BC can win those games. They can. They should believe they can, and if we get a great night out of Robinson and Bowman, I think they will. So that is my take for BC basketball tonight. One thing I want to turn to before we end this podcast is BC football. So uh, I'm a pretty big fan of ESPN. I like ESPN, what they do covering all sports. I particularly love how ESPN covers college football. And, uh, you know, whenever something big happens, whether it's after the national championship or after national signing day or after the spring games, ESPN has another excuse to do a, you know, a power rankings or a post, you know, whatever, you know, list kind of thing. So ESPN did a post national signing day power rankings for the ACC. Now, national signing day was February 1st last week. BC had, I believe, the 61st ranked recruiting class in the country. So on the on ESPN's post national signing day, Power rankings for the ACC. BC was 13 out of 14 teams. Not uh, as high as some would would want, but I believe they were 13 out of 14 um, in uh, the in the recruiting class rankings as well. What does this say? What does this mean? Well, this means that people look at the numbers very seriously. You know, I mean, it's easy to say. Uh, you know, I think Florida State or something had like maybe the number two recruiting class in the country. Like, oh, okay, well, they have the number two recruiting class in the country. They're an amazing team. And and that is true. That would not be a bad correlation. That is true. And people say, okay, well, BC's 13 out of 14 in the ACC in recruiting class. Well, that must mean that they're not very good in the ACC. I mean, you could make that case, but you don't need to back it up with some more evidence to really prove it. What it tells me is that Coach Adazio is recruiting guys for a system. I think he said that before, and I think he's standing by it. I think the guys that are that are he's recruiting for a system, which is a power game, a power run game, a power offense, and a power defense. You know, a kind of a a grinded out kind of game, not no easy yards, um, not an air attack, not you know, not a not a big passing game. That's what he wants out of his teams. That's what I think he thinks will work best. Those guys aren't necessarily going to, rec- going to translate necessarily. I mean, they could, but they're not necessarily going to translate to high recruiting rankings, uh, you know, in terms of the starred players and, and all that kind of stuff. But Coach Dice has been saying for years now that year five of his tenure, which is this upcoming year, was going to be a special year. There's going to be a lot of good things to see in that year. So, BC 13 out of 14 in the ACC uh, ESPN post-National Signing Day Power Rankings, and they also 13 out of 14 with the recruiting rankings in the ACC based on the outlets that rank recruits. I think they're higher. I think they can have a great season. But teams like Wake Forest, Wake Forest is number nine on that list. you know, And Wake Forest has got a lot of returning talent. So BC's got a big road ahead of them. And all I'm saying is be alert to stuff you hear about from recruits. Be alert to the spring game coming up in April. And pay attention to, pay attention to summer practices because this offseason is the biggest one yet for Steve Adazio. And this team, if they want to dispel these notions that, no, we're way better than 13 out of 14. We, we have a, we're a team that can compete in the ACC. They got to start doing that. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. I thought it was interesting. I think they're better than that. And I think they will have a good season next year. 
But interesting to see the perception on them, and we'll see if they can uh, break down that perception and, and have a really good season next year. So that's going to be about it for the WZBC Sports Podcast, episode 13. As always, check out all of our content at WZBCSports.com, and you can find our podcast also at WZBCSports.com and on iTunes under WZBC Sports Radio. My name is Steve Mackley. Thank you for listening to our 13th episode of the podcast. We will see you next time on the WZBC Sports Podcast. Go Eagles. Santini, make a nice little pass over to Sanford. Sanford gives it to Tuck. Tuck with a shot. Oh! Tuck scores. Eagles win. The Eagles have won the 2016 Steampunk Championship. Catch all the excitement of Boston College Athletics right here on WZBC Newton 90.3 FM. As BC's only student radio broadcasting organization, WZBC Sports brings a different viewpoint of college athletics to the table. Our student commentators know the campus, student-athlete culture, and latest beat on the teams like no other media outlet, thanks to our dedicated coverage of Boston College sports. Check out our broadcast or weekly talk show schedules at www.wzbcsports.com and get a refreshing take on sporting events at the heights and beyond.